0: Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who plays with the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. Hello there, and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, mike burton and so brings episode 50 and for the 50th episode of star wars comics in canon we are doing a A special and i am joined by my girlfriend megan
1: hi i won't be able to contribute that much to this but i'm <laughs> here and i'm living
0: yeah, basically um decided to have Megan involved because there's a few questions that I would be interested to hear Megan's input on, uh, and also it's good to have someone to read the questions to me so I'm not just kind of standing or sat here by myself like I normally am because most episodes of Styles Comics and Canon is I lock myself in our office with comic books and just chat nonsense for a long time. And I knit. And, and you knit is normally why I can <laughs> doing that.
1: We're a very cool couple. Oh <laughs>
0: well, yeah, indeed. Um, I also generally, I forgot to mention before recording, uh, I generally don't swear in these episodes. I know That's in fine. Genuine Chit Chat and Afterthoughts we swear a lot. Um, but in this, I generally don't. If you do, it's not a big deal, but I generally try to avoid it so any young listeners can hear the answer to questions without profanities.
1: That's fine. No profanities will be heard on the making of this podcast.
0: So yeah, we got about 12 or so questions, I think, from a variety of different people. Uh, we're going to kind of flip between people who ask them and the questions up and down and stuff. Um, there's a couple of dad jokes that got sent in that I'm going to have to read out, which is going to be quite fun. Um, but we're going to do them in two recordings. So they should all be released in one go on the feed, but we're probably going to record these first or sort of six now. And then later on today or something, we'll record another six because just sat still doing 12 questions. It's quite a lot. Um, on my Easter holidays. On your Easter holidays and while I'm off as well. So... And we've got other stuff to do today as well. So, if the if the audio changes a little bit halfway through this, that's kind of why, because yeah, because we're lazy and can't be asked to record everything all at once. So that basically leads us on to the questions. So, Megan, did you want to get us going?
1: Well, we have a question from Matthew B. Lloyd, and his question is: Why did they turn the old
0: comics slash novels into legends? So this question comes from Matthew B. Lloyd, who does classic comics on this very feed of Comics in Motion. I think it's every other Monday, and he's a chap who's going to be coming on my show in a couple of weeks actually to talk about classic old school Star Wars comics. I think specifically talking about some of the newspaper strips, which I didn't even realize Star Wars was, had newspaper strips for like years and years. So you'd open the newspaper and there'd be like a few panels. Oh, what
1: like in an actual newspaper? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like there's a whole book. There's whole two books you can buy. What kind of newspaper? It's an American one. Oh, I can't remember. It's which, not like the the, the, the Telegraph. No, but this is in the seventies. So you know we had like you had Garfield. Oh, had, right, okay. and all those things. Okay. You have a few Star Wars comics. Hmm, that's interesting. It is cool. Apparently, the stories are fairly good according to Matt. He said some of them a bit weak, but they they there are some really cool ones in there. And I'm pretty certain they were around the time where they did the big multimedia launch. Well, after Star Wars came out, and they had the whole day special as well. They obviously had the Star Wars comics that continued on, which are like all kinds of things. So, to answer your question. Matt? So, really, it it happened in 2014. Disney bought out Lucasfilm uh, in 2014, and they decided to re-canonise things. So it's basically just... Canon means continuity in, in a sense. So it's basically the what did, in air quotes, happen. So very simply, Disney took over um, and they wanted to do certain things. The big one was the sequel trilogy. They wanted to do, obviously, the three films that are now out. But there are three books that served as, as generally the considered the sequel trilogy, which is where Thrawn was introduced. Um, I'm pretty certain those books were sort of late... Eight, they're in the 80s and 90s, I'm pretty certain. And basically... The promise of Legends is what happened was George Lucas let almost anyone play in his sandbox. So they basically did a thing where they had... I've shown you some of the older stuff. Because we've been watching the Clone Wars 2D series. um, There's also, like, the Ewok films. um, Can't
1: wait to watch those bangers. Infamous uh, Ewok (laughs) films. Oh,
0: I love the Ewoks. Well, I mean, we watched the trailer for the Ewok Film. I mean, what do you think of the trailer for that? I mean, it doesn't look great.
1: Like, <laughs> the child looks, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to it. So this, this kid, if you're watching in the future, <laughs> I doubt, well, I mean, they're maybe. Probably, they're probably, what, like 50 or something now? The kid is kind of scary looking. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the little girl or the guy? I think it's the little girl with the really curly yeah. hair.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: Um, But I, I don't know if that's just because, like, Ewoks are cute, but they're also kind of scary looking. So...
0: I think in the films they become really brutal. If I remember, I think
1: it's. Well, I mean, they're pretty savage in the in the original three films. I well, be... I say three films. They're not in the three films.
0: They're just in. Was it episode five? And they eat people, didn't they? They were going to kill in. Well, yeah, they're going to kill in Return of the Jedi. They're going to kill Han and uh, Luke and cook them up for delicious. Yeah, so basically, Legends. The reason it mainly happened was because Disney wanted to redo stuff and not have it being massive contradictions to what had already existed. But the problem is with Legends, what a lot of people don't mention when they complain about the new Disney canon and all that sort of stuff. They complain about how there's so many other cool things in Legends that are amazing but they don't mention how inconsistent it is. There's like a story where Chewie dies and then there's another story where he's alive and it's like <laughs> you can't and at the comics that were released in the 70s there's a Marvel comic run straight after A New Hope came out that was meant that kind of like a in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. But it was so old, that was before Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi even came out. So mm-hmm. the problem is it's back in those days I was looking up some stuff about this question and there's actually, they had layers of the canon in, it used to be called the expanded universe, not Legends. And it was basically anything that wasn't the films was expanded uh, in the expanded universe and it was just, there were loads of contradictions and they just wanted to clean it up and be able to have a clean slate. So rather than having like, the comics were like D canon at the part, point which is like, you can take it if anything is contradicted in, by B canon, C canon, or A canon, so it's like core, so the film's are like A canon, then B... Then God, that is so confusing. That's what I mean. That's why they had to redo it. So they just went, right, you know, screw all that, and we're just going to do everything is in Legends. We've basically, I look at it as, Legends stuff is, it hasn't been proven to not happen yet. So I don't look at it in a sense of, oh no, there's no such thing, like this thing that happened in Legends didn't happen. I look at it and I'm like, well, if something contradicts it in the canon, it didn't happen.
1: This is the thing. It's just that,
0: like, I understand
1: all of the people that are, like, frustrated, upset, annoyed, etc. Like, by the fact that Disney took over and and then, well, they changed it, didn't they? So yeah. they they changed all of the things that are already out there and said, no, this isn't part of the actual universe. Like, it is, but it's not, like, legit. And like, I get that that's frustrating, but it needs to happen because... Like, one consistent thing throughout the entirety of Star Wars is that there are plot flaws and there are errors. So it makes sense for you to kind of just say, from this point here, now everything is going to be part of this franchise. Because otherwise, as you said, there's so many, like, inconsistencies that don't really fully make sense. And at least this way, they are trying to make it a solid universe as opposed to
0: having, like, little, like, naffy bits here and there. Hmm. Yeah, because the thing is, as well, is they use a lot of stuff from Legends in canon now. Like, the Mandalorian gets praised a lot because they use certain elements, like the Dark Troopers, the Crate Dragon, things like that. They're in Legends. Yeah,
1: and we were watching the 2D series, which is classed as... Legends. Legends, and there's loads of bits in that that are now part of... Well, the the 3D animated clone yeah. Of the series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, So it's stuff. not like they've completely abolished it and been like nothing existed. None of this is real. None of these characters exist. At
0: least they've taken like aspects from it and mm-hmm. have contributed to what is now canon. If there are questions that don't uh, that don't have answers to it in canon, so for example, I think one of them is uh, Anakin Skywalker's scar. That was I'm pretty certain in the micro series caused by Sarge Ventress. It was something like that. That's how he got the scar, but. In the in canon, they haven't mentioned that, but that doesn't yeah. mean he didn't get the scar from Asajj. It means in legends he did. So there's almost like the legend, the rumours are that he did, but you may hear new information that comes out that is more confirmed. Yeah. that's how I kind of look and at it. And didn't you say that in legends, Asajj, Asajj Ventress didn't even have a name? I'm pretty certain she doesn't. And um, we watched when we watched it recently. I think they called. I don't think she had like a full name, as from what I remember. But she... like, there's
1: a character that is in canon.
0: Yeah, and exactly. it's
1: not meant. She's not in any of the films, is she? No. She's not in any
0: of the films. Is she mentioned in the films? No. No. So, there you go. There's an example. Yeah, so that's basically it. And we'll get more into... There's another, other questions about Legends and Canon coming up soon, so I think we'll get on to the, uh, the next question here, which is from our favourite guy in the world.
1: Tony Farina. Oh, Indie Comic Spotlight. So, Tony Farina asks, do you think that Lucasfilm made a mistake selling to Disney? No. <laughs> y- you don't think that. I don't think they do. I think it gives Star Wars a, like a better ability and a better, like, scope mm. for being able to put stuff out there. I That's just, the I don't think they would have had as many, op- like, for example, like, we've had The Mandalorian, which is obviously, when when did Disney buy it?
0: 2014. So it when Rebels was on TV after series one or two, I think?
1: Yeah. So I, like, so we've got Mandalorian, we've got the Obi-Wan series coming out, Ahsoka series, there's the one with Warwick Davis in it. Willow's not Cat not gonna be Star Wars oh okay Disney plus so thing. ignore me for that one but um, what other Star Wars ones well, are there Series
0: 7 of Clone Wars came out through Disney The Bad Batch is gonna be through Disney Bad Batch and then the obviously the, all the other series you've but
1: yeah on. so like all of those things I don't think would have been maybe possible like some of it would because obviously Lucasfilm is such a big um, thing yeah
0: they make their own films they make all the Indiana yeah, Jones films yeah so
1: it is a pretty big uh, company yeah um, whereas Disney's bigger
0: <laughs> yeah, cool, so, so
1: i just think you like for people who like star wars and for people who want more star wars content i think it was a better decision because
0: it means that there's more, money, there's more there?
1: money so they can they can make
0: more stuff yeah and i agree as well and the thing is is that when the way the expanded universe was working was that apart from the odd thing it was mainly in game games books and comics was where the expanded universe really came into play that's what the big thing is and the thing is with lucasfilm selling to disney as you say they've got the opportunities like if it was on a film, we'd be lucky if we'd have got a sequel trilogy but even if we did we wouldn't have got sequel trilogy mandalorian bad batch visions that's coming out the ahsoka series acolyte kenobi acolyte
1: that's the other one
0: yeah kenobi rangers of the new republic you know all of those things and as then well there's as that new rogue squadron squadron that's a film coming have out have you said that no i haven't a good point i missed that one out also we got you know Solo, Rogue One, and the sequel trilogy. And even though the sequel trilogy were flawed, I still yeah, enjoyed them. I still <laughs> but it I I think it's a good idea because, I, as Megan says, it gives them more scope. It gives them more of an ability to release more content. You know, Star Wars is an idea and it's a franchise and it means that loads of ind- independent creators can go in there and create stuff in the world. Like Takai TT, he's making the film of Kathleen Kennedy. And I love him. Um, he's the best. Obviously, Thor Ragnarok is a, a film that you always mention you love. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it's like without it being owned by Disney I don't know if we'd have that and also Disney Plus is really good but without all the new Star Wars content on there I wouldn't be subscribed to Disney Plus it, now if, if it's if it got was, the other stuff. yeah
1: I mean now it's got more on there but like if it was just like Disney films and like the Star Wars movie well I mean if we're arguing that the Star Wars movies weren't by uh, weren't bought by Disney then they wouldn't be on there I don't I don't realistically think that Disney would've been able to do Disney plus if they didn't have all of the Star Wars movies and the fact yeah. that they now have Marvel as well it's just this is what I mean, like Disney's massive, it's basically trying to monopolize the market, so they are, yeah yeah, um, yeah, I think it was a good idea I think so I'm good sorry idea. for the haters, yeah
0: yeah I agree, I think it's a good idea for but then I'm not also idea. like I mean. You don't know anything about Legends. I don't know anything about Legends, really. I don't know that much. That's the the thing here, is that I... I
1: feel like most of the people that are kind of upset by the fact that Disney bought it are people that are older than us. Yes. They're they're people that, like, were... uh, that watched Star Wars, for example, when it first came out in the cinema.
0: Yeah, or they were young, they are sort of age around the prequel era. Yeah,
1: and I know I've said this on your podcast so many times, so I'm sorry if you're someone who's listening and you're hearing me say this again, and I'm sorry to Mike because he's heard me say it a thousand times, but... Less so now, but when I used to think about Star Wars, I thought about The, the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's what I grew up with. Yeah. We're so, members, so, like, if you're someone that associates Star Wars with the original trilogy, mm-hmm. then I think your mindset will probably be a, a, a bit different.
0: Yeah, because at those times you had the books that came out and the comics that all kind of intertwined like it does now, but you had it for 30 years. And it also depends years. on how much of a Star Wars fan you are. Yeah, and how far you're into it. But most people who've just seen the films don't really care. Most of our friends don't really care. Like, they just, like, they've asked me, go, like, oh, is the new game canon? And I'll say, yeah, basically everything released now is canon. That's because Fallen Order was canon, wasn't it? Yeah. Fallen Order's canon, Battlefront 2's canon, uh, Squadrons is canon. They've got another game coming out this year, 1313, which is a bounty hunter game that people thought was cancelled before. But actually, it's um, it was cancelled, and then they basically re... Uh, They've redone it and it's all bounty hunter-esque, so I imagine it'll have a certain element of the Mandalorian things in it. But yeah, it, it was a good idea. They had way more opportunities and stuff, so I think that's, we would say it's a good thing. It wouldn't, without Disney behind it, we wouldn't get so much cool stuff. Yeah. And Legends still exists. There's the big thing. They still re-release Legends stuff, like literally right Yeah,
1: now. it's not like they've abolished it off the face of the earth and said no one's going to access any of this stuff anymore.
0: Like, they're still there. They've
1: even put it on Disney+. Plus. It's called Star
0: Wars Vintage, they've called it
1: yeah that's basically so, legends, yeah, I think it's a good idea. they're still using it, so there yeah. we go, everyone. <laughs> so the, the next question, okay, so question three is from dave Har- Horrocks
0: mm-hmm. um he is the podfather of the Comics Motion Network. With Chris, with Chris Phelps. He's the one who did this, who started this whole thing off and invited me to do the Star Wars show. So thank you, Dave.
1: I apologize for saying your name incorrectly. I'm reading Mike's handwriting.
0: Yeah, so. my handwriting is pretty <laughs> terrible. So what's was this question?
1: So um, what are your thoughts on Jar Jar Binks being a Sith Lord? Well, th- th- <laughs> this actually comes from... Whenever this comes up, it always makes me laugh.
0: It's a weird conspiracy in Star Wars, which I um, am in. I kind of feel the same way about it that I do feel about <laughs> Kennedy, the, the Kennedy assassination. I don't think it's like an inside job. But I think there's a lot of weird stuff around it we don't fully really know, and that's how I feel about the Jar Jar thing. So I think not everything is as what they seem. So yeah, because like with <laughs> w- the original idea, they say that where this all came from was that in after the backlash of Phantom Menace and the amount of backlash was targeted at Jar Jar, they basically said okay. Uh, they re, they- the script got rewritten and Ahmed Best, who's the guy who plays Jar Jar, who now also does the Jedi Temple Challenge, that kids sort of, uh, mm. game thing. And he's been, he's starting to do little bits and pieces here, voicing characters and certain audio things and whatnot. He, he played Jar Jar and he says that a lot of his lines were cut and the whole, where the character was going changed, but he's not allowed to talk about it. And having the fact that all of his lines got cut, shortly after, would insinuate either they were going to have Jar Jar in it still being silly, or a lot of people thought they were going down the route of when Yoda was really stupid and weird in episode five when you first saw him, and that was kind of testing Luke. They would say that the other way around, kind of like he's pretending to be this fool, even though everything he does actually seemingly he survives and he manages to always get out of situations by seeming like an idiot, when in reality he actually manages to get out of these situations because he specifically wanted to. It's because he's Darth Binkers. Well that's the idea. So what what do you think? <laughs> do you think that's possible? Or? I think it's plausible. I mean,
1: like, if you think about Palpatine, like he's what, Senator, then Chancellor and then yeah. Emperor, whatever he is. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people think that he's nice. Obviously, to be honest, like you're looking at him and you're like, nah, you're obviously evil. Yeah. Like even when you watch it if you if you don't if you've literally never watched Star Wars before, you know that he's the baddie. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So I I think but my point is is that in the films people are obviously oblivious that, to this until yeah. like episode 3 which is crazy. But um I think it could work. I think that because obviously he gives ultimate power to the chancellor. Yeah. In episode 2. Yes. When obviously that was like the worst decision that he could have possibly made. Yeah. And it's just based on the fact that he's stupid. Yeah. It's and also like if you see him in episode one he's just a bumbling buffoon and then suddenly he's like a general because mm. he did one good thing but even that good thing was done out of clumsiness yeah and,
0: that's and what then mean, he's that's leading people, people into
1: battle and then suddenly he's speaking in front of the entire senate on behalf of Padme no? yeah so it's just like does really he, does he have that influence like, like is is it is it just sheer fluky luck that he gets there or is it because there is something more sinister going on so I think it, it could be a thing.
0: Release the Jar Jar Binkus cut.
1: Yeah, re- <laughs> release, release the, the Jar Jar Binkus cut. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know how I'd feel about it. I think the problem is they went too hard on it.
1: They to, went too hard on the stupidity in the first film, like him yeah. standing in poo and making like they kind of, poo
0: jokes. <laughs> if they had just one scene where he, what happened was he spoke to someone and he killed them off screen or something, and he spoke really normally... Like, if there was just one scene where he, off-screen, uh, off you see him kind of go off and no one else is around him, and he speaks to maybe even, like, Palpatine over the thing, and he goes, his posture changes, and he goes, like, straightens up, and he stops talking so weirdly. Yeah, like little mannerisms. Yeah, and he just stopped going, <laughs> and he was like, oh, and he was like... Yes, Master, Misa going to assist you in this. Like, proper, complete change. Yeah. I think they might have been able to get away with it. Like, that, if he speaks
1: like the leader of the Gungans. Yeah. Because he doesn't speak. Like, he speaks differently, but not yeah. like in a stupid way like
0: Jar Jar does. Exactly. Like, anything like that, I think it could have worked. But I think that if they released Phantom Menace the way it got released, and then tried to do an t- attack of the clones, I don't know how well that would last. I
1: think but- it would have been the case that we wouldn't have seen it... uh a character arc that showed that progressive like the progression into that position I think because there is no real character arc to Jar Jar like Mm -hmm. it's just him being stupid and then suddenly in the next film he's like serious and he's part of the senate (laughs) and it's just like I don't think it would have worked because you hadn't seen that
0: progression into it. Hmm. I'd be intrigued if they released like a like a four part comic series or, or something like a you know they've got that Marvel they've got the What If series coming out, mm. which is all it's all going to be about the MCU. Um, if they veered into Star Wars and did that and did like a little just even if it's like a half an hour of like animation thing of what would happen if Jar Jar was actually a Sith Lord and he he was. <laughs> And he worked in the way that people th- originally the thought. The thing is, like, is that it would be interesting there, to see it. Isn't there a rule of two, though, with the Sith? There can only be two at a time. Well, this is where it, what would happen was people believe that Count Dooku wouldn't have been a thing.
1: Yeah, well, that is the thing, isn't it? Because then, it in theory, Jar Jar would have been... The Apprentice. Jar Jar would have been
0: the apprentice could you imagine Jar Jar fighting them at the end of Attack of the Clones <laughs> and then fighting Yoda and him being like you, um, you've been trained like they wouldn't have that sort of relationship of Dooku being the master of Qui-Gon who trained Obi-Wan and being the apprentice of being the Padawan of Yoda like, yeah. you wouldn't have that dynamic with them uh, if you had had Jar Jar in it.
1: Although I, although saying that, like, I mean, Dooku's training Asajj Ventress as his apprentice. As a Sith assassin. So that's the, that's the kind of caveat. But it's still Sith-y.
0: Yeah. The so I, there
1: are loopholes to it. Yes, there are. So in theory, mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks could be like Asajj Ventress.
0: Yeah, but he wouldn't be able to call, be called Darth because Darth is a strictly Sith title. Yeah. So Dooku is Darth tyrannus, You've got Darth Maul and Darth, pa- and, uh, Darth Sidious. Sidious is trained by Plagueis. And Plagueis gets killed by Sidious. Sidious then trains up Maul. So when... when Maul dies, and then he takes on Tyrannus.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't actually die. But when, when we find... When we see Maul for the first time in... Clone the Clone Wars series. Yeah. Is he still called Darth Maul? It's he just, just calls himself Maul. He just calls himself Maul. Okay.
0: Yeah, especially by uh, Rebels. He literally just doesn't even go by the Darth title. In fact, I think Ahsoka so calls there's, him Darth Maul and says, a, I'm not Darth anymore.
1: Yeah, he says that's a really old name or something.
0: Yeah, it's the um, title of the Sith. It's, it's like Jedi. Okay, It's like that's Master fine. Kenobi So, Darth yeah, Vader.
1: I guess he wouldn't be able to be Darth Binkus, which is what people say his Sith name would be. So, I guess based on the fact that we have Dooku, it, he can't be hmm. but maybe he can be to. like an
0: assage Ventress type thing. They'd either do that or they'd write out Dooku. That would be the simple... Yeah, but then it wouldn't be canon. No, but I'm, if we're talking about like <laughs> if they had to release a cut that would work, that oh, would right. be a whole different... Uh, this question is more... But well, of course, the question was like, "What are your thoughts?" I, mean, if, I was thinking more so like, if they actually did Star Wars with Jar Jar being the Sith Lord instead of Dooku the whole time, would that work? I think it probably would have worked better than people maybe think it would if it was yeah. done the right way. But the problem is, is that the biggest flaw in Attack of the Clones is the dialogue and the direction of the character emotion. And if Jar Jar had like bad cheesy dialogue, it would just be one of those things where I, I wouldn't want it would then ruin it even further. Like, Phantom Menace's biggest fault was Jar Jar, and then Attack of the Clones' biggest fault was the Ab- pa- pa- Padme and Anakin dialogue. <laughs> but if, imagine if you had Attack of the Clones with the Padme and Anakin dialogue, but also with uh, loads of Jar Jar stuff. It, it would just wouldn't work properly. Yeah, I, I do agree. So, I don't know. I think it could have been a thing. I
1: think I'm it could be a thing as like an extra little special thing, but I don't think it's something that could have happened because Jar Jar's a moron. And, and like, with this question, my mum... I don't know if she was joking, but she asked me... Oh, here's a question from Mike's podcast, is... Why does everyone hate Jar Jar? (laughs) Mm. My question... Not question. My answer is, just watch the first film. Mm. And then you'll see why everyone hates Jar Jar. Yeah. He gets worse as you get older. That's the thing. Kids do still like him. Yeah, I remember liking him when I was a kid. Yeah, it's one of those Um, things. Now, every time I watch The Phantom Menace, I despise every scene with him in more and more. He
0: gets worse, the rest of the film gets better. Yeah. Each rewatch.
1: Right. So, question four is like a double one. So... Uh, Tony Farina asks, would you like to see Star Wars crossover into Marvel? And it kind of links with another question, which is from Frank Burton, and his podcast is Ragbag Presents. He asked about Star Wars crossovers, whether they would be a possible thing, for example, with Doctor Who, because he can cross into any time or space.
0: Yes. So I'm combining those two questions because they're similar. Yeah. Yeah, so both Tony and Frank asked about crossovers and one said Doctor Who and one said Marvel. I think so it would be cool. I I think it could really work. I think Doctor Who would be an absolutely insanely well done thing if you could make it work. I think Marvel would feel too much like corporate gimmicks forcing something that doesn't work necessarily. Even though I would love to see that. I think that doing it with Marvel, although it's probably more likely maybe in like decades to come. I feel like Doctor Who would be, like, an event that people... It'd be undeniable. Like, the amount of people who just generally like Star Wars and the amount of people who just generally like Doctor Who is, like, the across the world. Yeah. They're, like, both such international things. I
1: think it would be cool if they did, like, a special. Yeah. So, like, Even a one-hour special episode. Kind of like, you know, in Doctor Who where they have the, like, the Christmas mm-hmm. special or, like, yeah... I think it would be quite cool if they did a special where there was a crossover into Doctor Who or a crossover into Marvel. And you don't have to, yeah, as you
0: said, call it canon. It's just an extra little... Or do what they did in Clone Wars and the Mortis arc. Um, You know, when they went there and they did the whole thing, they basically forgot about it straight after. They kind of woke up in the ship after going to Mordis and seeing all the Force gods and all that prophecy stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Is that the bit with the owl?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, go, they go there and they meet the sister, the brother and the father. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, The Force entities and things. And, like, yeah. afterwards that, that still has an impact on certain aspects, especially with Ahsoka. But, like, the thing with that, they I could, don't really remember it.
1: Yeah, it could work. But then it kind of also just feels like, to me, it's like, and then I woke up from a dream. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> that,
0: that's the thing with the canon stuff. You'd probably have to put it into almost Star Wars vintage on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, or, would, or, if or they, they were just,
1: to do it, it would have to be a completely Legends thing. It would be not canon whatsoever.
0: Well, first of all, do you think, before we say what would be cool, do you think it would actually be possible? Do you think in in our lifetime we're going to see Marvel do a crossover? Keeping in mind that there's, like, Lego holiday special. So I think the next step is probably going to be Lego holiday stuff with both Marvel and also Star Yeah, because I mean in Lego...
1: Well, in Lego... Uh, there's always crossovers, isn't there? When it's the normal Lego ones.
0: In the Lego uh, Star Wars games, you can cl- play as the character uh, Indiana Jones. And yeah, that, that I sort don't know. of thing.
1: I think it's something that could happen. Mm. I think it would be cool.
0: I would enjoy it. Mm. Um, Lego would be fun and quite easy to do, but I think realistically, I th- I think it would definitely. Be, it would be a cartoon. It's going to for be sure. Yeah, it's going to be about 50 years or something stupid. It's going to be some sort of massive, ridiculous anniversary that's going to somehow fall on both both of them having like a major anniversary, like one of them is like it's 130th and the other one is like it's... I just feel like Doctor Who is
1: not as big anymore. It has dwindled. It's dwindled a bit. So I think with Doctor Who, like, if they were to do it, it would be a case of it having to pick up a little bit again.
0: Mm. Um, Well, this would be the thing that make it pick up.
1: Oh yeah, true. Because obviously Marvel and... Star Wars are always kind of like riding on a high like I mean this year there's things coming out like two or three series for each respective franchise.
0: Yeah. The thing- so if
1: they did a crossover it would make sense. I just think with Doctor Who for example though it would be sick. It would be so cool. Yeah. Um I don't I don't think I see that one happening as much.
0: I'll could. I tell you what I would love. I would love a David Tennant and Doctor Who this is what interacting I'm thinking. with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan yeah. before Phantom Menace and going on an adventure with them in either Billy Piper or Freema. You see, remember? this
1: is the thing is that with Doctor Who, I think of Doctor Who and I think of David Tennant. And David, see, David Tennant's not ever going to be the Doctor again.
0: Well, I know he's in Star Wars, but he's the voice of the robot who helps the, Panaw- <laughs> the younglings build their lightsabers, which there's rumours that he's going to be in one of the live-action series. So but, it's... But,
1: I don't know. This is the thing is with with Doctor Who for me specifically... It it's not as good as it once
0: was because David Tennant played that role so well. Yeah, because the two parts of Doctor isn't it? there's the old school Doctor and the new, not quite a reboot, but like the continuation from 2005. Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, and now as Jodie. It's not. I
1: literally don't even know. Powder. I stopped watching during the season of Matt Smith.
0: Mm, I not I stopped at Matt Smith. Can't so just around that point.
1: Yeah, I think it. I think it would be a good idea, but I don't. I don't see it happening. But I I see more, yeah, I think, as you said, with Lego. If they did it with Lego, I think that would be quite cool.
0: I think that'd be the next step. And then I think they might do, as you say, like some sort of crazy special that's just like a non-canon, you know, say at the start, this is not canon events. It's just something for fun. And you have like the doctor and interacting with the force. And maybe he's like a, maybe he even learns to use the force in some way and he's like a Jedi and you get like a doctor who's the Jedi and his screwdriver turns to a lightsaber. Like that would be amazingly sick. But aside from that, I'm not sure how long it's going to be until we see Star Wars interact with other universes. The thing is, is it's just such a insular thing. It's so massive, it doesn't need to go into other universes. Because if you want a character like Iron Man, you just create the equivalent of an Iron Man. That's
1: the thing. In is Star that, Wars, it's yeah, just I so guess, versatile. Yeah, I guess
0: Star Wars is such
1: has such big lore.
0: that And every planet is completely different. You can just create a planet in the middle of nowhere and just have it with a race of people who are exactly how the story wants it to be. That's the yeah. thing with Star Wars. It's not like, like I can't.
1: I can't imagine seeing like people from Star Wars on Earth, for oh. example, if I were to watch it. I can't imagine that.
0: But yeah. I don't know. Earth is in Legends. I can't remember how much. Oh, it's, really? Is in, I think it's either vaguely mentioned or is one sort of story. I, I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't appear much. I may be wrong there, but I recall looking it up and I don't think it's in many things. Okay.
1: Well, that was a long rambly answer and I'm sorry. So... This is another question from Matthew B. Lloyd. Who keeps up with the continuity at Lucasfilm?
0: So Lucasfilm has a story group, um, specifically it's a whole department of Lucasfilm that are specifically, their job is to talk to the creators of XYZ and say to them, you can do this, this and this, but you can't do this and this. Claudia Gray, when I spoke to her on, with the interview I had with her, she said when she wrote the Lost Stars book, the ending, she wanted a Star Destroyer to explode and she couldn't they said oh instead of that could you have it crash on a planet called Jakku can you just have the space battle that you're planning on having outside Jakku just for one reason or another and have that ship crash on there she was like yeah sure and then they didn't tell her much more than that and then she watched force awakens opening night at the cinema or whatever and the ship was on obviously it's what Ray goes past in like of the first scenes and she was like that's the star destroyer I crashed like how cool is that Um, But the real question is, Mike, hmm. why does everyone want to go back to Jackie? Why does everyone want to go back to Jackie? (laughs) Um, There's a guy called Pablo Hidalgo, um, and he is like the top guy at Story Group. And he's the one who writes the majority of the visual dictionaries that you can buy. I've got, you know, there's a few we've bought i bought. Yeah, Mike um, went
1: on a massive visual dictionary spurging spree in the works.
0: It was, it was spurging spree, yeah. It was, we went to the shop and it was basically... There
1: were a lot there for it was like discounted £3, pound, prices. three
0: pound and a fiver, yeah. so it cost me like 11 quid for three of them, and they're normally between 15 and 25 quid each. So it was just like £11 pound for, all, for Solo, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So I, I read the Solo one while we were... Watching Solo, yeah, and to point out some of the cool things that I'd missed and obviously the first time. But um, he, Pablo Hidalgo, he's the one who writes all the visual dictionaries. And they're the things that are like the loose connective tissue, that just kind of vague backstories of characters and whatnot, giving things names and etc. And so he basically just communicates with certain parts. Like the problem is with Rise of Skywalker is and Force uh, Force Awakens in some way was the the rumors were that J.J. Abrams didn't talk to the story group very much. So yep. it, when stuff was coming out, Force Awakens wasn't as much a big deal because he could kind of do what he wanted. But then when Rise of Skywalker came out, he said he put certain things in there that didn't jive with the canon. They've had to release content to kind of force it in. Like, for example, Poe Dameron being a spice runner on that planet. Like halfway through, he talks to that girl with a helmet on, Zori, oh, yeah. I think her name is. And it's like, oh, you ran off after being a Spice Runner to join the Resistance. And there's like a whole comic series and a whole thing all about how he didn't quite, he didn't do that as was no mention of being a Spice Runner. He basically just joined the Republican Navy and then got into the Resistance from that way. And so what they had to then do is release a book after Rise of Skywalker came out saying explaining the really in-depth timeline of how and why he God, basically so was a Spice Runner before joining it. It's called Free Fall or something, I think. And it's basically about his time there and how it fits in. And it's just like because he because JJ Abrams didn't talk to the story group enough and could have just one added one throwaway line just to say I didn't go straight to the resistance after the spice running. I actually joined the imperial. I joined the Republican Navy and then went into the resistance after that.
1: Or even just like that oh yeah, one. it was a bad couple of years before I joined the navy.
0: Yeah, so easy. <laughs> You'd have to have one line just from consulting the story group, and that's what the story group meant to do. When they make these big monumental things that are the movies you have to consult with them in a certain way a mandalorian did that absolutely loads which is why you've got characters like Cobb vanth who is the guy who has Boba fett's armor at the start of series 2 he is in the aftermath books mm. he, he gets the he tells you how you get the armor and it's more or less the same thing as what they say in like it's a few small details tweaked but it's generally speaking it's the same as what is in the book so it's because they they read the content, they know it about it, and the, the patches in their knowledge they didn't know they didn't want to get right. So they talk to the story group. Yeah, and so it's just a, a, a basically a company in all the comics and books and or less of the books. Sorry, in all the comics, you open the page, it's got all the credits, and there's always someone to do the story group attached to it, just to make sure the comics don't completely <laughs> Go dis- rogue. disregard another comic that's going on at the same time that's on a parallel story and stuff.
1: Okay, so going on to question six. So the final one in this part. This is part. the final one of this part. Uh, this is from Chris Bratton.
0: Braton, oh, sorry. Chris Braton of the I Like to Like Things podcast, which I'm going to be appearing on in a few uh, months' time when it gets released, I think. He's going to come on Genuine Chit Chat at some point, and we're going to chat about stuff. He's, he's a big Styles fan, so what's his question?
1: Well... His question is, what meal or beverage that's been on the screen in the Star Wars universe would you like to try the most? And he personally wants to, wants to try Spotchka. Mm.
0: What's Spotchka? Right, so I had to look this stuff up to remind <laughs> myself. So Spotchka is, it's a luminescent blue drink and it's made from uh, krill, like right, the okay. stuff that Whales eat the tiny, like microscopic plankton, almost Um, krill brood, and it's seen in the Mandalorian uh, show, oh, okay. so that's where you first see it. So I looked up a few things because I had a vague recollection of certain. I just want
1: to try the foods. blue milk.
0: The blue milk is on here. Yep, the blue milk from you see it first in New Hope, and you can get it at Galaxy's Edge. There's a lot of there's a lot of foods that you can actually get. At well, Galaxy's there's actually Edge. there's a
1: Galaxy's Edge cookbook.
0: Yeah, because
1: I want to buy it. I like because just out of like. I'd probably not make that much stuff from it but just for fun I really yeah. want to get it
0: yeah that'd be cool um, so I've written up a few things there's one roasted pork. oh no <laughs> has in Last Jedi I would eat to that. be fair I think a roasted pork would be delicious I mean porgs are adorable and I love them but they're, they're cute no. but annoying aren't they yeah I, I would definitely eat one of those um, one of them as well there's the Jogan fruit and the Melu run fruit which I think you can find them both on Lothal but one of them is meant to be like superfood almost and there's just a couple which you can cook or you can eat raw there's a couple of fruits that i wouldn't mind trying like star wars fruits they wouldn't taste anything like we would understand because they'd be made of different planets and stuff <laughs> so and the other one uh is actually in the in the force awakens um when ray uh gets the goes to uncar plot and gets the portions she trades all the scrap metal and he gives her that weird little packet and she pours more on it and it turns into that muffin thing that's called portioned bread and funny fun fact about that that isn't CGI that's not computer generated that's science yeah they actually literally did a thing where you can pour a certain water on it and it makes that fluffy thing I'm not 100% sure if it was edible I have a feeling it might have been but I, I can't really remember oh, exactly. That's a cool what
1: it was. little thing, isn't
0: it? Yeah. So when you see Hero of Force Awakens, Episode Seven, go back and watch it if you can't remember. <laughs> pour it, pour it on there. It's actually real. It's no special effects, and no. Well, it is special effects, but it's the so, sort of it's science. It's not CGI. It's not CGI. It's, it's not just science. generated. So yeah, I, I would like to try those things. I mean, there's also in Galaxy's Edge there are a lot of meals, which is like a roasted luma luma or tauntaun and things like that, where you can eat a lothcat. I'm not sure you can eat lothcats. So I don't think they sell that there. <laughs> but it's good remembering you remembering the, uh, thank the animal you, thank love cat. You. yeah they feature in the Doctor Afro comics and they also obviously in Rebels as well because they live on Lothar hmm. but yeah I think Blue Milk's the the, the fun one but, yeah
1: I uh, want to try Blue Milk Blue Milk just... is kind of the equivalent of like Harry Potter's
0: bu- Butterbeer isn't it yeah which we've tried as well which you did not like and I love no I didn't. it's like cream soda you sort <laughs> of stuff gross. it's lovely oh, beautiful <laughs> but yeah so that's basically it for part one uh, we'll probably record the next either later today or tomorrow so we'll be back soon for questions from the same people. <laughs> be quiet.
1: So you think I sounded like Muttley
0: then? Yeah, I think you did. we I'm going to keep that and record it. <laughs> keep that recording in. Anyway, so part two of the Q and A. Q and A part one was yesterday q part two today too much know. star Wars for me in one go it it was a lot of we had stuff to do but um, <laughs> to start this one off we 've got nine questions for part two, and to begin with we 're going to start off with a couple of dad jokes because I am jack 's musings. It's one of the Powerful People, who is not only on Comics in Motion, does the show Binging Buffy with Tony Monthly, also has his own reviews, Jack's Musings and things, and yeah, his uh, Twitter is at I am Jack's musings And so these are his um dad jokes, so I'm reading them out. And I haven't platform. heard these yet either, You so. haven't, no, so there's three of them that he put in, so big up to Jack's Musings. So, these are some jokes that uh, Jack's Musings wrote for his super son, um, some dad jokes, so here we go. Where did Han take Chewie when he got sick? Where? Boba Vets. Oh my god. Here's another one. What is Jabba's favourite breed of dog? What? Poodoo. Poodle. It's a word for pooing. Um,
1: sorry, that one went over my head, but I'm sure bigger fans would uh,
0: appreciate I'm it. I'm not sure they would. <laughs> sorry, Jack. Uh, and then also, what did Obi-Wan do when Luke couldn't get the lid off his blue milk bottle? What? He forced it oh my lord so there we go those are the comedic genius i enjoyed Jack. them yeah he's and he sent over some styles questions as well and in fact we're starting with one of them so shall we hit this let's go let's do it
1: all right let's let's get pumped so from i am jack's musings the first question is what is the best sequence from canon so far and
0: he says it what and why is it the the first scene in Re, uh, Return of the Jedi, Episode Six? So when it goes to like Jabba's palace and stuff, mm. he says that's the best one, which I, I think is a pretty fair shout. I, it is one of my favourites, but it's not my favourite all time sequence in all of Star Wars. Um, or what would yours be, including? If we say include the movies and everything, just generally, because we'll, there's a couple of questions that go deeper into certain aspects. So just in general, is there a, a favorite sequence when you watch either the Star Wars or Clone Wars or whatever, your favorite thing to see?
1: So I think from the movies, it would be um, probably maybe what you're going to say, to be honest. What? I don't know if you are going to say this, but is is in episode three when Anakin and Obi-Wan are like facing each other off a, on Mustafar. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I really like it. I, I think it's just because, first of all, you really like it, so okay. I've seen it quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, But also, like, I just, I find that I like the things that I can quote. Yeah. And that's something that I enjoy quoting, and if I enjoy doing it, then it's something
0: that I... Yeah, there are a lot of lines. I like, so... Know, like high ground, you're my brother Anakin, you know, lots of parts like that.
1: And I think it's just a really cool sequence to see how, like, it's kind of the end of Anakin... and then the start of Vader within the other realm of canon so like including the Clone Wars series and Mm -hmm. stuff it would probably be when Ahsoka sees Darth Vader for the first time Mm. because obviously in Rebels in in Rebels yeah because
0: Ahsoka very very minor spoilers but it's When you watch Rebels, it like before. Are we allowed to
1: do spoilers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, spoiler.
0: (laughs) It's it's a spoiler for Rebels. It's not a major, major spoiler. We won't say everything explicitly that happens in the whole scene to ruin it, but Ahsoka does confront Vader at some point in Star Wars Rebels. And obviously, Anakin was Ahsoka's master in the Clone Wars. It's just
1: so goddamn good. And I just, I remember throughout the entirety of watching the stuff, I was just like. I really want to see Ahsoka see Darth Vader. Like, Mm -hmm. I want them to meet. Like, I was continuously saying that. I was like, when is this going to happen? Like, I want to see it happen. And then when it did happen, I got a lot of satisfaction out of it, especially the first time watching it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: really liked that it is it's is a very very powerful scene those two scenes are two of my favourite scenes in all of Star Wars as well I think the Mustafa battle in episode 3 is all this build up in, I think if the Order 66 montage is one of my favourites as well because the music is so harrowing and it's so brutal and upsetting to watch mm. where the prequel trilogy is fairly light-ish like generally it is not especially with Jar Jar in the first one and things <laughs> like that and then you it all culminates and becomes episode 3 which is so strong and there's so much darkness in it and everything is so hard-hitting so I'd be inclined to agree there. My also favourite scene is probably in Return of the Jedi um, when Luke fights Vader... And he basically lets the dark side in a little bit and mm-hmm. then he beats Vader because Vader's weakened by the fact that he's fighting his son and he doesn't really want to kill him and stuff and he's all conflicted. And Luke taps into the dark side and he's like smashing Vader and Vader's like, on the floor holding his lightsaber up, like basically ready to die and Luke is just slamming his saber down like angrily again and again on his thing and then obviously he slices his hand off It's just that moment where it's like, Luke had very easily killed Vader there, and it's that moment where he decides not to, which makes him different from Anakin, and that's like a big turning point, both if you look at the um, original trilogy in its own, but also if you look at the whole saga. like The three kind of, the biggest points in Star Wars for me are in episode three, when Anakin becomes the Vader we know from the confrontation with Obi-Wan, Order 66, the examination of the Jedi, and when Luke decides not to kill vader they're probably my three favorite parts you know what speaking of another
1: one with luke and this is a spoiler for the mandalorian season two so mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that don't I mean, listen people to should know about it you should now. know <laughs> it's been out long enough uh i really like the bit where luke skywalker turns up and yes. just kills loads of droids and like baby yoda also known as grogu grogu but will forever be baby yoda in my heart yeah is just there and you could just see everyone else in like the cockpit and then another you know, bridge in the, the bridge, thing, bridge, like where they drive the ship mm-hmm, yeah. and um, then you've got, yeah, they can just see it on the security camera and they don't yeah. know who it is. They don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing and everyone's just kind of on edge. I really like that as well.
0: Yeah. That's one of the cool, that is held as one of the coolest. I think that's going to go down in Star Wars history. as one of the best moments that I was because it's, it's just the music is incredible and the way it drip feeds you and every fan knew it was Luke at a different point. Like, so, yeah, well, I mean, realistically, it had to be. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation I even said in one of my videos um, when people were asking me about why think think's going to happen. Um, and I said, I'm pretty sure Luke's going to appear. I was like, in, in The Mandalorian, everyone was basically like, Luke is the only Jedi, really, who we know is about which isn't Ahsoka, but Ahsoka doesn't quite class herself as a Jedi. Luke's the only one we know for absolute certainty is about and is ready to go. You know, they didn't... It could have been Ezra, but I think in the Ahsoka series it's going to go into the whole kind of synopsis yeah. of Ahsoka as her finding out what happened to Ezra and stuff and Rebels. So I think that him coming was a big... It was It was going to be him all along, but it was still just yet yeah, breathtaking when he appeared. It was Agatha all along. It was Agatha all along. So... <laughs> um, so- yeah, but so we had a few moments there.
1: So, right, question two is from Matthew B. Lloyd. Have you ever found continuity
0: errors in the new canon? So there's two answers in this, in part. There's one which is really minor stuff that doesn't really make any difference to anyone, and then there's more major stuff. Now, there's also... It depends on how one wants to define it, because there's certain parts which is like the new canon, in air quotes, is basically anything after 2014. So it's basically the sequel trilogy is in including the new canon now in the sequel trilogy there are little bits and pieces I mentioned one earlier which was when Poe Dameron talks to I think it's Zori oh about the spice running about the spice running and about all that sort of stuff and it is all like that doesn't really fit but they wrote a book to make it fit there's other small ones things like um, in you know uh, in the original trilogy in A New Hope uh, I think it's General uh, Moff it's either Moffy or it's Taeg it's either, yeah, Grand Admiral Moffy or Moffa, your take, but he says to Vader, um, he says something about you and your ancient religion, and it's been like twenty years. And it's just a bit like, um, is twenty years old enough for it <laughs> to be considered ancient even with all the propaganda? Probably not. Um, but specifically in the new canon, there's there's a book called Ahsoka that came out, um, and it was made before season seven of the Clone Wars was even ever something on the cards. Because Clone Wars, they were meant to do a certain amount of seasons, it got cut short, so there's certain arcs they couldn't do, they turned some of them into books and comics and then other ones they just used when years and years later clone wars series 7 was being made they used it for that and other stuff is going to probably be used in the bad batch as well in the ahsoka book it talks about her as flashbacks of her fighting maul and she talks about her green lightsabers and obviously in clone wars season 7 she actually has blue lightsabers because anna can change them that's a minor thing mm-hmm. it doesn't ruin the book it doesn't even ruin anything it's one throwaway line and then one could just argue "Oh." her memory was wrong she forgot it differently because it's her recalling a time there's that there's in certain comics there's one comic which has uh, just certain panels they call this commander commander other times they call them general other times they call them admiral and they just don't consistently call them the same rank that's a minor thing um, that happens and then there's also I've said about Poe Dameron and I think Star Wars Annual Number Three Um is a one off comic where it's meant to be Luke meeting Sana Staros and it's meant to I think the synopsis says it's meant to take place around the eighth comic or something, but they meet in the sixth comic. Right. Like the first time. So it's just there's lots of in, in that could the class really more as a typo than a Yeah, that sort of thing, which is kind of like when two characters meet and then they're meant to have met before this event, but they actually met after it, or something along those lines, you just got to choose which one fits the best and either go, Okay, well, this comic says it was set now, really, it was set two weeks later, or the character said something stupid that they didn't mean. You yeah. know, it's one of those things. But there's think, no big ones. Not really. There's, there's no massive ones. I mean,. In the sequel trilogy, there's parts where it's like, you know, with the whole Palpatine controlling Snoke stuff. That still hasn't really been explained very well, where it's basically like, so Snoke had his own Yeah, with all the
1: like weird little jars of
0: Snoke's. That was a bit. And it's like, and Palpatine says to Kylo, like, "Oh, you've I've always been the voice inside of my head. But they said in The Force Awakens, I think the idea was when he was touching Vader's helmet, he was having like mini Force visions, kind of like Leia, kind of like Rahab when she touched Anakin's lightsaber in The Force Awakens.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But it's just like, but if it, if Palpatine says, oh, I've been every voice in your head, and then it does a little montage where he hears Vader's and Snoke's and blah, blah, you'd go, well, if that was Palpatine, does that then undo the other stuff of Kylo? Unless if- it was Palpatine putting on a voice of all those different people. Well, that's what they're Because he can obviously manipulate people's heads. Well, that's he, what they're so. insinuating. So does that mean that he can't, Kylo wasn't having force visions and it was just Palpatine? So that questions, can he, fi- you know, there's all these little yeah. things. It's basically just with Palpatine returning and Kylo Ren not being a Sith that's the big problem because the thing is, is Snoke says he's not a Sith but if he was being controlled by Palpatine all the time and Palpatine is a Sith then is he not a Sith then by proxy and that's what Kylo Ren kind of is then it's just it gets muddy and things don't really make sense when the relationship between Snoke and Kylo in Seven and Eight when they make it so that basically Palpatine was behind all of it you're just like this doesn't make sense this doesn't add yeah. up so things like that are kind of annoying. That's why Rise of Skywalker is one of my least favorite of the films. I th- I still prefer, I think, to Phantom Menace and maybe Attack of the Clones. But it's it's the the problem is there are certain plot points that you can't just kind of glaze over. Like the comment about ancient religion, you could say either the propaganda or he's being specifically. He's saying the word ancient when really it means a couple of decades, but he's saying it in an attacking way. Yeah. And there's, there's lots of little ways you can get a, around things, like when Pad, uh, when Leia says she can remember what her mother looked like, even though she saw her for like one second. But <laughs> in the comics, they kind of give her a couple of force visions here and there that she kind of, or like feelings. She walks around Naboo and has like this feeling about like Maul and Padme, and he doesn't know, she doesn't know it is Maul. She, it just kind of shows her having this vision and seeing certain images and things. Yeah. So... It's, it's mainly just in short it's basically there are lots of little ones but that's just what happens when you make a big universe the MCU is riddled with them but when it's like actual huge big things aside from Palpatine stuff or Snoke I don't really think there's any that are major most of them either get explained in a comic or book or you can kind of just not or almost like don't squint at it
1: yeah okay so from I Am Jack's Musings are there any Legends characters that you would want to see
0: in canon Now, I have said this before on the show, I don't know that much about Legends. The majority of stuff from Legends that I know comes from playing video games. Um, I didn't read any of the Legends books... Um, I'm reading a couple at the moment. I'm reading the Book of the Sith, which takes little bits and pieces out of a lot of the old Sith books. There's a, there's a Darth Bane trilogy all about the Rule of Two. That's a quite popular book series. There's the Knights of the Old Republic games and things, which goes on about um, like the ancient Sith like thousands of years ago and the Sith and the Jedi Wars and Darth Revan and Darth Malak and all these... Um, not Malak. Um, I think it's Malak. Um, all these different sith and there's one nihilist and things are gonna eat planets and there's all kinds of craziness so and there's loads of legends obviously it's like 30 plus years of legend stuff so i don't know as many things about a lot of the legend stuff as other people so my pool is more shallow but my favorite legends character um is in the game the force unleashed which is what my tattoo is of um anyone on line I occasionally post it and things and it's Starkiller slash Galen Marek and he was the secret apprentice of Darth Vader after Revenge of the Sith it was like halfway between or no it was towards of the 20 year gap between episode 3 and 4 it was like a few years it was around the time of Rebels it was about a few years before A New Hope, he has an apprentice that he's secretly training, Palpatine doesn't know about it, and he has to go around and hunt down Jedi, and this guy, Gail America has to kill loads of old Jedi, he kills Shark T, who's a member of the Jedi Council, he kills loads of others, and then the first game is him basically at one point turning back to the light, and then him basically trying to undermine Vader while under the guise of still being his apprentice, and you fight Vader a couple times, and then you fight Palpatine and stuff, and it's just, it explains how the, the Rebel Alliance got their symbol, in that but obviously it's legends and so it's not true it's not canon there's a character called general kota that's really good but rebels basically used a lot of those elements star wars rebels there's a general kota in the force unleashed is very very similar to kanan hmm. uh even mild spoiler alert to do with both of them at some point lose their vision so it's like there's so many parallels to it yeah so that's probably my favorite legends character um i would say uh that's why i've got a tattoo of him as well um but you haven't really watched do you know who i want i want the shaggy jedi
1: oh yeah
0: yeah who's in um
1: there's there's from Scooby Doo there's a character in legends from the 2D animated clone wars i, I pointed out to series you, yeah the we watched it the other day there's
0: so he's called shaggy Shag- from Scooby Doo Shaggy Shaggy and S- he's a jedi S H A apostrophe A space G I Yeah, i want him i
1: want to see him in canon
0: yeah he was actually um in the micro series of Clone Wars, the two D animated one that's in under Star Wars vintage on Disney Plus, which is legends. Uh yeah, there's a character towards the end of volume one, um, which goes up against Grievous. Him and uh The one that Kaidi looks like Ahsoka. Mundi. Kaidi Mundi, Shark T is the one who looks like a Ahsoka. Sakura, who's a Twilek. Um they all go against him. Um Grievous and yeah this guy gets killed by Grievous pretty quickly. He gets wrecked. Um he is in <laughs> Yeah, Clone Wars Chapter 20, the mini one, and he's also in something called Star Wars Battle for the Republic. Um, well, yeah. Which, which is a strategy game. I want to see Shaggy. Shaggy. In canon. Overall. That would be a bit of fun. <laughs> I like those sort of things. Like, Obi Wan's home planet is Stu John, and that's because a, a George Lucas really liked John Stewart, and John Stewart said he really liked Obi Wan, and he asked where he came from, and George Lucas said Stu John that's funny and it's like he's John Stewart so it's just it's just like a silly little thing where it doesn't matter if a planet is called Stujon or not there's there's also certain characters that are kind of named after other like famous people and things like that but yeah
1: next okay. legends cool now question four is from the great Tony Farina so besides Aphra who is the best character created for the comics
0: so in the comics, um, along with Aphra, there's triple zero and BT1 are pretty cool. I've shown you a few panels of them, which is like basically c 3 PM and R2-D2 if they're complete psychopaths mm. and they like actually actively enjoyed killing people. And the <laughs> To triple- be fair, R2 doesn't seem like he doesn't not like it. No, R2-D2 <laughs> does go mental. R2
1: is ruthless.
0: In some of the comics as well, he kills a lot of people, um, but... Yeah, he basically, triple uh, zero, he's basically C-3PO, but he's dark grey with red eyes, and he kills people by draining them. Um, dra- like he likes to drain their blood. He oh. has like a hand of syringes, and his, Hang- ha- his other hand has got like a buzzsaw in it, like other needles. He ejects people with like nerve toxins, God. and then just tortures them while they can't move, but they can still feel everything. All that sort of stuff is in the comics. Pretty grim. But he's, he's a pretty awesome character um, from the comics. There's also... This is a character that's going to link in with a question later on, and this is a character who's created in the Star Wars comics, Star Wars Legends comics, from 1977 or 78, like so before even Empire Strikes Back came out. There's a character called Baylor Valance, and he's a bounty hunter who's a cyborg, and he is in his own comic series at the moment, and he's been in several miniseries and stuff, and he is now canon again, and they've basically used a lot of element, elements from the Legends character for him. And I'll go into that a little bit more later. He's a really cool character for the comics. Um, Star- Sana Staros, she is a smuggler who married Han Solo for a hmm. like what was it like a job? Not not quite a job, but they did it as a ruse, like a scheme to get money out of someone, Fair and enough. they did like a fake wedding. <laughs> um, and she yeah, she's like a smuggler, but they don't
1: actually get married.
0: No, she basically... She shows up in the comics after, like, I think the end of the first arc of this main run of Star Wars comic, so it's set, like, weeks after A New Hope. Yeah. hands with Leia, and San attracts him, and then basically approaches him and says to Leia, like, he's my husband. And he's like, whoa, no, I'm not. And so Leia's really angry at Han because she thinks he's are lying. It's always, almost like a love triangle before they're all into each other, right. in a weird little way. But she is a really interesting character because she actually has a relationship with Dr. Aphra, who is a woman. So it's not in... Because these they have these characters that have relationships with men or women, in Star Wars they're a lot more sort of uh, free with it in a lot of ways, especially in the comics, they don't make a big fuss. It makes Sana, she's quite an interesting, vulnerable character because she's kind of, she's hurt by Han for a while, and then she kind of gets over that and hangs out with Luke, Leia and stuff and helps with rebellion matters and whatnot, but has her own stuff going on. But then she interacts with Aphra because of one reason or another. And then she has this weird draw to Aphra where she hates herself for getting involved with Aphra because Afra is this rogue archaeologist who's kind of like Indiana Jones, but kind of bad and who always, you know, screws people over, that mm. sort of thing. And she kind of has a soft spot for Afra and kind of lets her off certain things, but right. shouldn't do. And then she got hurt really badly by Afro like years before and has a real hump on her back about it. And she has to kind of try and get over that and not let Afro get to her. And it's all this, it's all the, basically the intricacies of being in relationships with people, but... In a clever way that makes the character more interesting. Plus space. Mm, yeah, so Sana Star, she's she's great. Uh, another character specifically for the comics.
1: Cool. So the next question is from uh, at Comic Foil. Why is the Dark Horse comic book series X Wing Rogue Squadron still the best? Star Wars titled
0: twenty two years after it ended. Now I have said before that i do not have not read that much legend stuff i know a lot of legends video games i know a lot of bits and pieces so i had to look up rogue squadron um unfortunately because i played the rogue squadron the rogue i think it was the rogue squadron games they were on the n64 originally and they got re-released on the gamecube and you fly an x-wing and you do the death star trench and things like that and they are very difficult i'll say that much um but the actual comics themselves i've not read them so I can't actually comment on the fact of why they are potentially the best comics. A lot of people, there are certain Legends comics that people do cling to. I would say if people, uh, one of the com- uh, the complaints I've heard is that a lot of the new comics and stuff, there's not that many things surrounding pilots very right. much, which I'm okay with because I like, my favorite thing about Star Wars is the Force and lightsaber battles and that's mm-hmm. sort all of spiritual side of things in that realm and character depth with pilot stuff I'm not as interested by space battles and stuff like there's a lot of that in other sci-fi th- medians and that's not why I like sci-fi necessarily yeah I like the tech but I don't I'm not as excited by ships and things but I'm just basically getting the uh, Rogue Squadron details up because the video game there are th- three video games yeah that I remember playing in like the late 90s and so with the Rogue Squadron comics the ones that um, Comic Foil has mentioned which are published by Dark Horse uh, it came out in 1995 and it went for thirty-five issues, and it seems to be primarily starring one of my favorite characters.
1: Is it where is? It is where is.
0: <laughs> now I haven't read this um, actually, so I need to check this out because I've heard this. I think there's Dark Empire books or comics as well. And there's like there's quite a few Legends comics. that A lot of people keep telling me to read, and it's just like I'm trying to read enough of the canon. I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I've got I've read all the canon comics bar the Poe Dameron comics as of yet, and then. I need to read some IDW ones, but all the Marvel ones I've read, but there are so many books and they release like a book every few months. It's like, I can't read quick enough to catch up to all these books they're releasing. (laughs) Slow reader. And also trying to read all of, uh, trying to read Legends as well, which is 30, 40 years of stuff. Yeah. Um, There's
1: a lot of content to get through.
0: Yeah. I've heard these comics, these comics are good. They're starring Wedge Antilles, released 995. I don't know why they haven't released anything that's best. I'd say if people really into pilot stuff, there's the comic book, TIE Fighter which was four or five issues that was pretty cool followed some TIE Fighter pilots there's Han Solo Imperial Cadet and that follows some cadets in the Imperial Academy including Han Solo and Bailuk Valance funny enough that's when he's first introduced in the canon um, so there are some but it's mainly I'd say the Vader comics that are kind of the, the good ones to go for I'd argue they're prob- they could be better but I don't know it depends
1: okay yeah. cool uh next question is from Matthew B. Lloyd. How about the time that Luke and Leia had sex in a splinter in the mind's eye?
0: Now I had to look this up because I wasn't aware of what this even was. Um and I'm not I messaged Matt after reading this uh, earlier, and he's in a completely different time zone and he has not yet responded. <laughs> um so I'm I'm just double checking to see. He didn't he didn't respond to it yet, but I basically said I, I couldn't find record of the fact that they had had sex in it. But what I did find out, interestingly enough, is it was the first ever Star Wars book in the expanded universe. So what it was, it was released in uh, 1978. And basically what it was, was that there was a script called like the Legends of... Luke Starkiller because the original name of Luke Skywalker was going to be Luke Starkiller. He um George Lucas wrote like a in 1976 or something. He wrote like this original script for Star Wars and then it didn't get made. Um, he they had to tweet. He tweaked in stuff and made it eventually what we know Star Wars today. And he excluded all the other tweaks he's done <laughs> I
1: was just, I was just um, thinking the but, same thing. Yeah,
0: generally similar to the Star Wars we have today. Um, but basically, he had this script and they weren't sure if Star Wars was going to be a hit. In fact, most people thought it wasn't going to be a hit at all when they thought it was just going to bomb. So when they made it, this um, George Lucas basically let this author get a hold of the script um, of this, the un the not done Star Wars script, and basically mix parts and elements of it with what they knew was going to be in the Star Wars film to write a sequel book, because they didn't think they were going to have enough money to have a sequel film. Now the book's written by Alan Dean Foster, and as I said, it's called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and it's basically Han and Chewie aren't even in it. Luke and Leia go to basically get stranded on his planet enough to escape Darth Vader. That's essentially what it is. But in the book, they get like weirdly flirty with each other and they have like those like, inner monologues and it says that they have confusing emotions about each other. Mm. And this was this was obviously a year after Star Wars came out. It's got released. So it was before Lucas had actually made the decision to make Le- uh, Leia and Luke siblings, which is obviously why they kiss in A New Hope and it's weird. <laughs> and I think even at the Star of Empire. Um, I think they only kiss once. I think they kiss twice altogether. Mm. Um, I think I think she kisses him on the cheek I think and yeah her- one's a
1: kiss on the cheek and then one is
0: a kiss on the lips yeah I think so I think but regardless when before George Lucas decided to do that obviously there are weird threads that they may have some sort of weird romantic attachment and in that book it was meant to be like a, a sequel to Empire and then it's kind of Empire got made and doesn't necessarily contradict what happened in Splinter of the Mind's Eye so it was like the first expanded universe title along with the Star Wars newspaper strips and the Marvel comics, which all were released before Empire came out and before he was even certain Empire was even going to be a thing. So Luke and Leia, to my knowledge, haven't actually had sex unless there's another piece of content or it is in there. And every review and article I've read about it doesn't mention it. Um, but yeah, they, I don't think they they did. But obviously, they're still probably a bit too close because Lucas didn't tell the author what he was planning on doing because he hadn't made his mind up yeah. yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so question seven is from I Am Jack's Musings. Do you think the latest main Star Wars comics run will detail the machinations behind the plot to
0: rescue Han? Basically, will the new Star Wars comics give the details of how they rescued Han from Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi? So it's basically referring to, uh, in the new canon, I think comic releases were late 2014, but early 2015 primarily the main run of Styles comics ran for 75 issues and that was set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back so episodes 4 and 5 the run that's going on now that's written by Charles Saul Uh, the previous run was written by a couple of different people I think Kieran Gillen wrote it towards the end I can't remember who wrote it to begin with uh, Jason Aaron I think and then Kieran Gillen um, and Charles Saul's writing it now but the one going on now that's on this like 10th issue or so that is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi I heard in an interview of Charles Saul that they're not going to go into the details of how Luke got his green lightsaber because the author Charles Saul still feels like the deleted scene in Return of the Jedi where Luke's in a cave sawing out his lightsaber he counts that as when Luke made his lightsaber and he doesn't view that as not being canon in his mind so mm. he is lo- allowing that to be the thing which is fine. I'd rather see Luke do it but who knows he might just be teasing or whatever. The thing is,
1: is that it's just a little bit of extra detail that you don't need. Mm. Like you don't need to see why his lightsaber suddenly a different colour. Like you don't, be getting you don't, don't
0: need him to him getting Him getting his happen. kyber crystal and him building the lightsaber It's one thing it's, like, good- it's something that we've seen before like you don't need to see the same thing. Yeah we've seen it in Clone Wars, and I think we see it in Rebels, but most audiences haven't seen it. But then again, most people who haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels aren't going to be reading comics. Exactly. Generally speaking, most comic readers have seen either Clone Wars, Rebels, or both. Um, but the question was about the plan to rescue them. I don't know. What, there is a comic out, which is the Age of it's the Age of series, the Age of Rebellion, which is the one-shot comics about characters from the Rebellion. Um, I did an episode about it, I think episode 47, uh, so a few weeks ago. And there's a the Leia comic. So it's Age of Rebellion Princess Leia. It goes into detail about her, her and Lando and Chewie going to Jabba's palace once, uh, like when she's got her bounty hunter gear on. But it's about her getting her bounty hunter gear um, initially and having to pretend to be the character she played, which I think is called Bosch, um, has to play that character Bosch in front of Bosch to trick him for some reason or another. Um, So you can read that and that will give you a little bit of information. It's not a bad comic. But at the moment it probably will. I mean, it's it's only about a year between episode five and six. And so I don't know if they're going to go into depths about the plan to rescue Han or not. They are kind of talking about how they keep needing to go to Tatooine but things keep popping up and they can't do this and can't do that. And I think there's other storylines and bits and pieces threads they're gonna get to but I, I think they probably will like would you I know you don't read the comics but like do you care how they rescued Han
1: no not really
0: I don't, I don't know like is there anything you'd want to see that like I gap- mean it would be interesting
1: to see how it happened but like um, I don't feel the need to have every part of it filled but it's yeah. the same thing with the the lightsaber like you were just saying like you really want to see it happen whereas I don't really care like yeah like i saw the deleted scene where he changes the lightsaber and to me it didn't add anything so it's just kind of like okay cool he's got a different color lightsaber <laughs> is,
0: is, there, is there anything at the moment in canon that you haven't seen that you would want like even if it's like a gap in time like for example between phantom menace and attack of the clones with more training of anakin or between this film and this film like is there any time period or or scene that you haven't seen that you'd want to the only thing
1: that I'd be interested in seeing is some of Anakin's training when he was younger. Mm. But I imagine he's just going to be whiny like <laughs> he is in every single film. So
0: That's fair point. Like
1: I don't feel like I need to see anything else. The only, the only things that I really enjoyed seeing that frustrates me that it's not always in the cut is the extended version of, of the Revenge of the Sith. Because it has loads of like secret... Uh, so there's are they deleted scenes or is yeah. it yeah? So the, there's a version that we watched where all of the deleted scenes are included in the movie, and I really liked it because it because in the third film to me without those scenes Padme Padme is just kind of a bit of a a doormat
0: really yeah wet blanket she's a
1: bit of a wet blanket she doesn't really have that much character to her and then when you see her in the previous films or if you see her in the clone wars series you see that she is a badass whereas in this film she's just like oh annie oh annie (laughs) and it's just like come on like have a bit of backbone but the deleted scenes that we watched show her having like secret meetings with people from the senate to try and essentially override what's Palpatine is doing. Yeah. And like...
0: With Bail Organa.
1: With Bail Organa and you see all of those people that are connected to the Rebellion trying to do this good thing but it's not in the final cut of the movie. Yeah. So I really enjoyed seeing those things but it's annoying that it's not in the normal cut. Yeah, it's like a whole... I know that wasn't long. the question that you asked me. No, but there's like
0: a whole 10 minute long subplot about Paddy yeah. and Bail Organa trying to get rid of Palpatine's power. And I think they basically vaguely realise they won't be able to do it. So they have to try and make other arrangements, I think is what they kind of alluded to. And that's the sort of the first ideas of the Rebellion is them kind of doing things under the radar.
1: I guess I suppose if there's anything that I would want to see is little things like that. But then I don't really care about politics either, so it's surprising that I enjoyed <laughs>
0: those bits of the film. I think it sort of adds weight to Padme and or I, I My favorite, the era I want them to explore the most, is between episode six and seven. I want to see loads of stuff about Luke, like at the Jedi Temple. I, really, I want to see Kylo. I'd like to see a movie. I'd be happy to watch a movie. They'll almost definitely never do this, but I would be happy to see like a Kylo Ren movie where it what, starts where off- it's Luke Skywalker's like training schools. Yeah, and the, well, the ending is him like maybe uh, at the Jedi Temple striking loads of people down it just ends in a real dark note almost like Joker or the end of Rogue One in, in a way mm. you know where you've got this sort of slow burn where you're just watching Kylo Ren from a young age have like a bad relationship with Han have Leia being busy being in politics and all these sorts of other things and then having Luke you just want to see more Kylo Ren I love Kylo Ren but then you get to see Luke going around doing what he does in the comics of in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics which are excellent
1: yeah, but I don't really like Luke that much oh. uh, Yeah, excuse
0: me but like I would just like to see Luke going around with like Lawson Tecker and Kylo Ren and going to loads of old Jedi sites and ex- excavating them. What's the excavating. Excavating them. And doing all that sort of stuff and watching Kylo slowly get seduced by the dark side I like get Snoke whispering in his ear. And that would be cool. Yeah. Where's well, the next question then?
1: Okay, so penultimate question is from Matthew B. Lloyd. Have comic stories from legends been brought into canon?
0: So there's, there's certain aspects. There's the ones which are... There's a lot of legend stories that have been brought into canon. The biggest ones are things of Thrawn because they've Thrawn in Rebels and Thrawn in the Mandalorian takes a lot from when Thrawn was created in the Heir to the Empire books by Timothy Zorn in the late 80s and early 90s, I think. And it was basically the, the original book sequels to the original trilogy. And they're set like five to 10 years after, I think it is. And the thing is, what they're basically doing now is in The Mandalorian, what it seems like, and with the Ahsoka series and all these other things, they're basically building a series around a big event. And the big event is basically going to be Thrawn coming back. And that is probably going to be very similar plotline-wise to what happened in these Air to the Empire books. Right. I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, aside from that, there's... In, in the comics, like the original Star Wars comics, I haven't read a huge amount of them, but the character I mentioned earlier, Baelot Valance, he's a cyborg bounty hunter. He's like half-machine. He's got like his face half his face looks like a robot and he's he basically starts off as like a bad guy and then he's because he has this massive hate of droids and he hates himself and all these other things and hes he has a conflict of Luke um, I think and then basically he eventually kind of sacrifices himself to save people that's generally his plot in the Legends comics and then in the modern canon, so you get him in Han Solo Imperial Cadet, he's definitely an antagonist, he sucks. Then right at the very end he has like a mild turning point. Then you get the Target Vader comics, which is the bounty hunters going after Vader, um, I think just before the Battle of Hoth. I think it's just before just after Empire Strikes Back. And in that, he you get more flashbacks to him and him being the Imperial Army and becoming a better person and blah, blah, blah. And now he's a bounty hunter that's kind of like he will kill people fairly non-discriminately, but only when they kind of start something with him. Like, he doesn't take joy out of killing people. When, and
1: that's someone in the canon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he used... He was created... He's one of the only oldest Star Wars character there is in the Star Wars comics in 78, which is before most Star Wars characters. That was before the franchise was even really a thing. Yeah. Just after the first film and some comics and stuff. So, Balut Valance is a Baylert. Valance is probably the biggest one, I'd say. Um, and Thrawn. Thrawn is... is Pretty massive. I'd say Thrawn was the biggest one, and then in general Legends to Canon, I think, and then Barrelotte Valance. He he's he's the biggest one from the comic.
1: Cool. Then we're on to the last question, which is from Dave Horrocks. What is the biggest surprise moment slash oh my god moment in all Star Wars comics since 2015?
0: Right, so I'll say the first star the comics ones first, and you can say what the biggest one is outside of the comics so in the comics it's probably in darth vader number i think it's number six it's like no i think it's Darth vader number five it's it's either darth vader number five or six i think it might be five and it's basically when vader bleeds his lightsaber crystal that's just insane it's in the charles saul run 2017 um, of darth vader comics and he beats a jedi the first few issues of him finding a Jedi, beating him and etc. And then he gets his crystal and then just takes him and it's there's almost no dialogue in the whole comic. It's just him walking and having force visions and things and trying to like bleed this lightsaber crystal by pushing all of his like hatred and anger into it and stuff to turn the crystal red. And it's just such a powerful set of panels and the artwork is absolutely incredible. And it was like, whoa, I didn't Because before that happened, the red crystals didn't have an explanation in canon. In Legends lightsaber crystals were synthetic. So Sith, Sith, instead of getting a kyber crystal from one of those planets like Ilum or whatever, instead of going there and getting one of their own and just going red, or taking a Jedi's one and bleeding it, which is what is in the new canon, they would just create their own lightsaber crystals. And if you create your own crystal, it is almost always red. I think that's kind of... Because it's like this unnatural thing. Yeah, and that's what it was in Legends. So lightsaber bleeding is a new thing in the canon and it's only in the Darth Vader comics, the... Rise of Kylo Ren comic both by Charles Saul and then also in the Ahsoka book she cleanses the lightsabers which is why she has white lightsaber crystals Mm. so you you can cleanse a previously bled crystal Uh, and also in the High Republic books there's a Jedi character who has this ancient Sith, Sith spear from like thousands of years ago and she cleansed it as well so it's lots of cool little threads and that's in the book which i saw so he's like the bleeding the mar- the the bleeding king <laughs> the um, bleeding king the bleeding king so that was the biggest moment in that in comics for in, you in the comics yeah the kylo raymond was pretty intense as well but you know there are there are some really cool moments um there's mainly with vader but there's some really cool like afro stuff where it's really clever and fun and there are there's like, there's a story that's ongoing in the main run of Star Wars comics and that 2017 Darth Vader run, and both of them, there's a plot line which is basically, you've got Vader going to Mon Cala, where Admiral Ackbar and stuff is.
1: The Mon Calamari.
0: Yeah, and he goes down there to the Quarren and uh, the Mon Cala, and basically he goes there and enslaves all their people. And then the comics that were coming out at the same time was of the main run of Star Wars comics, which was set after A New Hope, which is 20 years later. Mm. So you're getting Vader in one week, you'll get one in one month, sorry, you get one comic which is showing Vader taking over Mon Cala, killing its leaders, destroying it, and enslaving its people. And then you've got, in the Star Wars comics, 20 years later, them going to this this uh, city, these people that have been held down by the Empire for 20 years, and all their leaders are gone, except like one. Yeah. And they're going, they're trying to convert them to the Rebellion, and they're saying, we've suffered through much, too much from the Empire, we can't fight back, that sort of thing. And it's really clever that you're reading one plot line and another and they're both connecting yeah that's cool so that was very cool um in all of star wars nice way to sort of round it up um the the biggest surprise moment in all of star wars um i mean han solo dying and being kylo ren's dad that was pretty big in the force awakens
1: i mean yes i i do agree i I was thinking about when han solo dies like that was an oh my god moment. I'm pretty sure when we watched it the first time I cried mm. when he died. Um yeah, so yeah, I guess so. Mm. I just I can't really think of anything else in Star Wars specifically that's made me go oh my god. Mm. Um, the only time the other other the only other time that I can really think about is when is in the Clone Wars series I need when to the bombing. The bombing and yeah. Ahsoka and just the Jedi. There's a, there's a whole arc There's an arc about Ahsoka.
0: There. And it's one of the best bits of all Star Wars.
1: I don't it? think I've ever <laughs> felt more emotion for Star Wars than I did in that moment. You're like yelling at the TV. I was getting really, really animated about it. Um, so yeah, probably yeah. those two, but the Ahsoka one in that in that arc yeah. of in series
0: five. We won't spoil what happens, but it's so goddamn good. Yeah, the Jedi Temple gets bombed, and basically.
1: The only... Ahsoka
0: gets blamed for it, essentially. (laughs)
1: One of the main reasons that I'm mad about that episode in particular is because I predicted what was going to happen and I said it to Mike right at the beginning of the episode and I was like, this is what's going to happen, I think this is going to happen, and then Mike does this thing where he he stays neutral so that I won't know what happens so that I can still enjoy it, but he said something that made me think that I was wrong, (laughs) So then I didn't think that what I thought was going to happen, and then it did. So then I was just really angry yeah. because I had guessed it right the entire time. And then I led myself, because Mike made a comment, to, <laughs> to think that I wasn't correct. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a very... Uh,
0: it's very emotional, moving piece it, of it, Star Wars. It's probably the, it's the most important story about Ahsoka in all of Star Wars. Oh, i sure. say. When you see Ahsoka in Mandalorian... well, it
1: kind stuff, of defines her character, really, it doesn't does.
0: it? it? It completely defines who she is as a character and her relationship with the Jedi. That that it, it's so beautifully done. It's like deserve that the ending of Clone Wars series seven and the finale of series two of Rebels. Those oh, to three be fair, parts. The ending of rebels is yeah but i mean to do specifically oh you mean with another stuff of the soaker as well that
1: yeah another oh my god moment to be fair is when order 66 happens that is pretty like when well actually let's go back to that go back to the first question of this entire thing what's the best sequence from canon so far that's one of the best sequences i did say order 66 you did say order 66 um yeah yeah no order 66 is probably one of the uh most oh my like god moments it's like, like, I think for me especially because I've watched the Clone Wars series mm. and then Cody turns on mm-hmm. Obi-Wan you're like Cody what are you doing? Yeah. like you're friends? Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah I think and then that's it makes that.
0: the finale of series 7 of the Clone Wars there's there's a whole thing when Order 66 happens in the Clone Wars and it is absolutely phenomenal some of the best Star Wars there is you literally go on IMDB the last four episodes of um, season seven of the Clone Wars—they're all over nine point five. Yeah, just even just the, the the complete lead up to how
1: Order sixty six happened.
0: Mm-hmm. you get just, so much is more backstory. Just fantastic. You get so much backstory with inhibitor chips and this whole conspiracy surrounding. Oh, it's the clones. so good! I, it's good. I forgot not, how good it was. Yeah, it's not simple. It's just oh yeah, the clones just suddenly decided and went bad. It's like there's in Legends, there's whole stories about clones like. Yeah, because I, I remember... Let's talk about is going to take. Well,
1: yeah, but I remember watching... So, obviously, when we first got together, I had not seen episodes two and three. No. Um. So, I hadn't seen Order 66. Like, that hadn't happened. I didn't know that it even really existed. Like, So, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, like, that's crazy. And then I remember watching the Clone Wars animated series and being like, well, Cody's a baddie because he's going to turn on Obi-Wan. I was like, well, I know that Cody's a baddie. And Mike was like, you need to watch it. He was like, it's more complicated than that.
0: Yeah. That's the <laughs> only breadcrumb I would give you. I was like, I'm not going to tell you anything else, but you just need to keep watching and things will make more sense. And we got to like series five and you're like, why are they still not, why do I still not know this? And I was like, just literally wait, because it's in series six. It's like the middle arc or the starting arc of series six when five kind of gets involved yeah. a little bit. It's with the so And it is like, oh my God. Oh, absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think... Obviously, *Mandalorian* the the finale series two of *Mandalorian* is one of those big moments. The Darth any Vader scene bleeding. with Baby Yoda, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, even Baby Yoda was quite a big surprise moment. No, it was the, one of the best kept secrets in Star Wars. Yeah. No one had any idea about Baby Yoda or Grogu yeah. until or I saw him.
1: Another one, uh, an oh my god moment, is when <laughs> Baby Yoda is just chomping away oh, yeah. on some eggs. <laughs> That are, like, these people, this species, last last family members remaining, yeah, and
0: Grogu fuzzling. is there just, like, munching away on their babies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was amazing. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's relatively all the questions that we've now went... I mean, this part two is, like, 45 minutes. Part one was, like, half an hour, so we've been talking for, like, an hour and 15 minutes. Which is pretty good at nine Star Wars questions. Not nine. Uh, four, uh, go on, no, I'll, it was nine questions this today. Part. And yesterday there were six, there's 15. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good solid number. Mm-hmm. There 15 Star Wars questions, hour and 15 minutes, if I stopped it now, which I'm not going to. Well, this is why I last so long, it's because you ramble. Uh, yeah, it's time for the end ramble. So I'm just going to say, coming up in next week, I've got the next uh, Doctor Afro Comics, and that is issues 20 to 25, I think I'm tackling. Uh, then the week after that, I think I'm doing The Age of... Resistance. I think I'm doing the villains. So I'll be doing like Kylo Ren, Phasma, Hux and Snoke. Um, so I'll be doing those. Then the week after that will be Star Wars again, the main run of Star Wars comics. Then the week after that will be the Kanan miniseries, the first part of that. Because there's 12 comics for that and I'll be doing part one of that. <laughs> then after that, it will be back to Dr. Aphra.
1: You just said that so, <laughs> so many, many times. times. I normally do. You said that. <laughs> A crazy amount of times.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's trying to remember all the things. So, it's, <laughs> in brief, Afra next week. Week after that is <laughs> Megan drinking water loudly.
1: <laughs> in brief, next week it's going to be Star Wars. The week after that's going to be Star Wars. Then, can you guess? It's going to be Star Wars.
0: It will be. It will be. Afra, Age of Heroes, Star Wars, Kanan, Afra. Well, actually, I yes, say Age of Heroes. It's Age oh my of god, this is why the
1: podcast is so long.
0: It's because I can't be able to edit the end parts. Just trying to get all of the the stuff I need to remember to tell people. Also, you know, I was on 20th Century Geek recently, and I did the Desert Island Comics. So make sure you check that out. And also, me and Megan went on 20th Century Geek a few weeks ago. It got released the Batman Retrospective, which me and Megan watched loads and loads of Batman films. Yes and Megan loved it mm. <laughs> I wouldn't say loved <laughs> love is a strong word um, but then also make sure I've got a Patreon make sure I've got a Patreon
1: make sure you have a Patreon yeah. make sure we all have a Patreon we can all
0: have a Patreon and all donate the same amount of money to each yeah. other and then no one will benefit except Patreon
1: exactly yeah.
0: I have a Patreon patreon.com slash genuine chit chat the link is in the description if you liked this sort of massive rambly style thing that me and megan have done we release a podcast called afterthoughts twice a week uh, under the patreon they're normally about 10-15 minutes long ish some of them go up to like 20-25 <laughs> minutes Two get released a week normally one of them is like an mcu movie or a star wars movie and another one is either a documentary or a chick flick or a film that just isn't owned by disney specifically so we try and do so release two of them a week at the moment so if you liked our back and forth then, you know, you can pay as little as £2 a month or $3 a month and you get access to the feed, which has, you know, there's early access to things. There's snippets I put on there. Um, I, the Star Wars book review I did got released a day early over there. And my Genuine chat episodes, when I split them in two and et cetera, you get all of them at once. So it's just lots of little bits a bargain, of stuff What bargain, everyone. It's great. Go,
1: go now. Quickly, grab your purses and wallets, all. Get to your laptop, type in com slash slash... Genuine chit chat,
0: and then you can listen to our afterthoughts twice a week. And we, there's loads up there at the moment now. I think we're on past episode ten.
1: Right, so quick go, everyone, now quick, run, run, go run. quickly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, that's basically it from me. Do you want to give your Instagram handle so people can
1: follow what we eat every day? I mean, now I have to because you've introduced it. Yeah. I don't have a podcast, everyone, because uh, I'm boring. So I, I do have an Instagram account though, and if you are so inclined in following me on social media, it is Grits Gets Fit. Which is, Mike always tells me to spell it out. So T S gets fit. And it's all about my health and weight loss journey. And you will see pictures of delicious food on there, everyone. I'm a fantastic cook. Cheers. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's food and tortoises and... Food talks isn't you... And me sweaty what, after name. exercise, yeah. Yeah, that's basically... <laughs> what a it. treat.
0: It's a delight. <laughs> my favourite Instagram to follow. <laughs> uh, and you can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. There's my other podcast, Genuine Chit Chat, which is on its own little feed, but wherever you're listening to this. If you're listening on YouTube, you're in the right place already, because all of the comics and canon and Genuine Chit Chat episodes are all in the same place. If not, just if you're on Spotify, Apple on Google Podcast, wherever you're listening to Comics Emotion, Motion, you can listen to Genuine Chit Chat. So go and check that out. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I really appreciate all of you for sending in your questions. It's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Megan will only talk to you if... what well, God, if you are on Patreon, really. That's the only... That's it. Yeah, if you This wanna, is want This
1: is Yeah, if you want to continue hearing my voice, as I've said, go get your wallet, go to Patreon, and then you can hear me
0: on the reg. And Megan thinks she's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think I'm hilarious. <laughs> I know I'm hilarious. So you get to hear, hear Megan... Hearing herself be hilarious on Patreon as well. Yeah. £2 a month, guys. All this free content Bargain. from Comics in Motion, from me, on Styles Comics in Canon, genuine chit chat, all the guest spots I do. <laughs> all of these things, guys, are public service. So donate and you get even more. You get to listen to more of Mike's rambles. How much more do you want of my voice? Because you can get more. There's always more. And if I get even more Patreons, we'll do even more. If someone
1: gives course. me £100, you can have him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the next Patreon tier. It's £100 a month and you get me. You get a date with Mike. It's not a date. You just get me. You I just get, you just get Mike. I just appear at your house and you have to like take care of me. <laughs> like a furby. Like a pet. Yeah. I just come with nothing but the clothes on my back. Nice. No, nah, I'm not going to do that. Cool. What are you doing? You
1: have a hair on your face and I was getting it. You need to pull
0: that off (laughs) mid-recording. Outrageous this is. Outrageous. You're going to cut this bit out. No, I'm not.
1: Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye.
0: The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator everything else are of genuine
1: chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.